And my heart today is to simply point to God's word, to the truth of what Jesus Christ said from his own lips, and remind each and every one of you that are in the faith that find themselves this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning, those of you that find themselves in the family of God, that you belong to a team that cannot lose. You belong to a team that cannot lose. There's a tennis match or a softball game or something this afternoon that's going to be taking place. I don't really know what all it's big, the super or something, the Super Bowl. I turn into a snob when the Green Bay Packers lose. They lost yet again. No Super Bowl. Mac Deese, one of our staff members and faithful members, he is an Atlanta Falcons fan. And he too is saddened by his team. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you are used to what I feel. <laughs> And if you're a Clemson Tiger fan, you're just trying to be like Nick Saban. <laughs> Roll Tide. Mm. But here's the truth. At some point, every one of those teams are going to lose games. They may even lose the big game, the final game, the game to end it all. Somebody's going to lose in that Super Bowl today. Do you realize that you belong to a team, an entity, a group of people, all with tasks and jobs and roles, just like a football team, but that you belong to a team that simply, when it's all said and done, when we get to the final game, the Super Bowl, the last game of our life, you cannot lose that game. You belong to the only team in the history of mankind's existence, the only group of people that know without a shadow of a doubt, without cheating, that you are going to win. And the church of Jesus Christ is a team that cannot lose. We're winners because of who Jesus is. Psalm 54, verse number four, let's read this verse and then we'll pray. Behold, God is mine helper. Read that first part with me. Psalm 54, 4. Behold, God is mine helper. Read it again with me. Behold, God is mine helper. That word behold means to stand still, stop doing what you're doing, and fix your attention to what is getting ready to be told of you to watch and to listen to. Behold, God. Stop for a moment Allow yourself to take a deep breath and behold God who is mine. It's personal this morning. It's not just for pastors and preachers and missionaries and evangelists, but it's personal for every child of God that's here, every team member. He's mine helper. Behold, God is mine helper. Heavenly Father, God, for just a few minutes, God, we want to take this word, and Father, carefully, we want to preach the word that you've put in our hearts. God, I pray that now you would prepare hearts and minds to hear the word, to receive the word, and to be doers of the word. God, I pray today for the one that's here and discouraged. God, I pray for the one here today that's hurting, that's uh, in a place that they never thought they would be. God, I pray for the one that's distracted by the things of this world God, for the prodigal that needs to come home from the far country. God, for the saint who's been faithful for decades, who's weary today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart today in only a way that you can. Father, you're capable. God, you're able. And we trust you to do as unto your will. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bind the strong man, push back distraction. Lord, we have studied, we have prepared, we have prayed. Now, Father, you'll have to do the work. Holy Ghost of God, you'll have to go to the hearts. Only you can do it. God, I'm unable. I'm simply your vessel with your message. Hide me behind your cross and use me. 
In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. I'm going to use a word that you're not supposed to say anymore, especially in church, COVID. COVID. We're coming up on two years now of COVID-19 being a part of our normal everyday existence. And every school of thought, every skeptic is saying, please don't even say the word anymore. We're tired of hearing the word. We want to move on. If you say the word vaccine or mandate or mask, instantly faces become red, heart rates go through the roof. But can I be honest with you? The reason your heart rate is going up The reason you feel the tension, the reason you can't have just civil discourse anymore about any of those topics, the reason that is is because so many people have lived in a tornado of emotion for almost two years now. And really, before we can put this to bed and move on, God's people, the church of Jesus Christ, desperately needs to do some battle debriefing. We need to debrief. It's almost like the church as a whole has experienced a little bit of PTSD. We've come back shell-shocked from a war that we were not expecting, that we were not prepared for. I remember being in Israel. It was March uh, 2020, I think on the 9th of March. My phone starts lighting up with news stories. There's this new virus and it's tearing through China and it's already found its way into India and we didn't really know what was happening. And we come out of Tiberias and we're headed towards Jerusalem and what used to be just armed guards with machine guns, now it's armed guards in hazmat suits. And I look at the friends that were with me on that trip and I said, this could get interesting. And it sure enough did get interesting. Our whole world changed. We had to end that trip, that study tour short, get everybody out. We didn't know what COVID-19 was. Remember now, everybody has become a, a virologist overnight But back in the day, when I'm talking about back in the day 2020, we didn't know what COVID-19 was. We had to operate with what we were being told, with what was being said by our government, what was being shared online, and what we knew to do to, to be safe the best that we could. And even for 17 weeks here at Trinity Baptist Church, we were unable to meet in person. We didn't know what it could be. We had to understand it, give it time to develop and pray and trust the Lord and praise the Lord. While all that's going on, our church still pays out of debt, debt free completely today. Somebody say, praise God that in the middle of a pandemic, he still took care of the bills. We kept the lights on, the staff paid. Praise God for that. We can never, ever just say, ah, it is what it is. No, God did something incredible on this property during that time. But while all that's happening, you have all of this tension and turmoil and it's to and fro and there's all types of opinions and every YouTube channel in the world has an opinion and so much information. And What's wound up happening is we've consumed so much of that. Our minds are weary, our hearts are tired and our faith is somewhat fractured from the past two years of tension and turmoil and pain and sorrow. And even here in this local New Testament Bible-believing church, we've had to say goodbye to some of our faithful, faithful friends. There's been heartache and sorrow. And for us to just pretend like we're not human and that we don't have human emotions and our heart doesn't break and that we don't get tired and that we don't get weary, for us to do that is to not live in reality God knows exactly who you are, right where you are today. He knows your emotions. He knows your heart. He knows your problems. And it's not some sort of facade that you need to put up and pretend like everything's okay. Part of the problem with our church today is we're walking around with our Sunday best on, but underneath all of our Sunday best are broken, hurting, disappointed I'm going to have to preach like Squire Parsons. (laughs) Listen, we are walking around with a facade and underneath the facade are depressed, hurting, broken people. And really at the end of the day, what you need is a debrief. 
You need to come to terms with where you are personally, where you are in your home, where you are emotionally, and today be reminded of just who it is you are, not because you belong to a Baptist church, not because you belong to Winston's church or Ralph's church or Nathan's church or Rory's church, but because of who God says you are in Christ. You've got to remember as you walk through this sin-sick world that you belong to the team that simply cannot lose. You can't. If you're here today and you belong in the family of God, if you know you're saved and on your way to heaven and you're not ashamed, I want you to raise your right hand. Everyone, raise it high. Unless you have a rotator cuff that's torn, don't try. I don't want you to have to have surgery. Look at all those hands. Everyone that just raised their hand belongs to a team that cannot lose. Our society, our culture is programming this next generation to be a generation that feels a little pressure, that feels a little pain, and then all of a sudden the word quit comes up. The moment it's uncomfortable, you need to just sit down and not worry about it. The moment it's tough, the moment it's difficult, back away. You don't need to involve yourself in things that are are tense and hard. Living as a Christian, living for Jesus in 2022, there are going to be days that it is most difficult. God never promised his people a bed of roses every day of their life. But he did promise that grace and mercy would follow you every single day of your life. And even when you go to the graveside and even when you go to the funeral home and the nursing home and the hospital and uh, to cancer treatments, grace and mercy follow you there. That's the nature of God's towards his children. But there are difficult days, there are hard days, and we have lived in almost two years of difficult, hard, tentious days. Difficult, difficult days. And there are so many people that are calling 254-2187, showing up at 216 Shelburne Road, good, faithful, solid Christians that have been Christians for years. And they're showing up in church offices all across America and they're saying this, Pastor, I don't think I can do any more. I can't do another day of what life is. I can't do one more problem, one more issue, one more news story. I was so anxious, I couldn't even do Christmas with my family. And in that big, beautiful living room that I normally sit in with all of my family members, I couldn't even go to Christmas because I was so anxious and so worried. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not the spirit that God has available for his people and for his church. God has called his people to be a people of sound mind who know that they're loved and who can live in peace and live in this crazy, sin-sick mud ball called earth. But know at the end of the day, no matter how dirty your uniform gets, no matter how bloody and bruised your body becomes, you belong to a team that simply cannot lose. And what's happened in the past two years is the enemy has begun to whisper things that has robbed the church of its confidence. We are robbed of our confidence. We are robbed of our authority and we are robbed of our identity. We've been robbed of those things. And what's happened is we've allowed the enemy a seat at the table that he does not belong at in the first place. We've said, scoot right up and tell me what you think. Scoot right up and tell me how you feel about all this. And what you'll wind up doing as a child of the Most High God is going to Newsmax or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook and reading a post that you don't know by somebody that lives in Russia who who just barely speaks English. You'll read half of that article and you'll be so scared to death you've already closed out your stock accounts and you're going to move to the coast and uh, live in a hut and not talk to anybody ever again. Don't look at me like a calf at a new gate. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You consume the information of the world. You get tension in your heart and anxiety. And next thing you know, you're reacting to the news of the cosmos. The universe that you don't belong to. Quit playing uh, CNN and Fox News and Newsmax and the Wall Street Journal as your source of hope, your source of information, when you have in your lap the greatest source of information, the greatest source of hope, the greatest guidance in the world. It's sitting in your lap today. But God's children must consume the right material to be able to survive in the day in which we're living in. 
You've got to guard yourself from online misinformation. Our world is inundated with it and it's affecting the saints of God that even belong to this church. Just because it's online, just because it's on Facebook does not mean it's real. Newsflash. You can put it in stone. I could go on my Facebook account right now and say that this pulpit is blue and it's not going to be true. But thousands of people are going to see it and share it and like it and heart it and send it to their cousin in Milwaukee and they're going to say, that parish boy, he done painted the pulpit blue up Trinity. I saw it on Facebook. It's gospel truth. The enemy has used that as a seat at your table to feed you lies, to keep you scared, and to keep you from having authority, to keep you from having confidence as God's children. God's children do not operate in fear. They do not operate in their emotions. They operate as sound-minded, godly people who know that God is in control. That's what we need. We don't need more of the world's opinion about what the church should be doing or how we should be doing it or how many feet our chairs need to be spaced out or how many people need to show their vaccine card before we get out of here with that. This is the church of the living God who God is in control of, who God loves and who God shows mercy and the character of our God towards his children, you and me, is one of love and of help. This help that God's talking about, it's personal, 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 intimate help. The word in Hebrew is ozer, ozer. It means not only to help, to assist, but it means to come to someone who cannot get out of their own circumstance and situation that God would come directly to where you are in your situation, in your circumstance, no matter how bad it looks and assist you and provide what he's able to do. If you put into context what God is able to do in your problem, in your situation, in your circumstance, in your job, you have hope. If you remove God from your situation, from your circumstance, from your problem, from your job, from your marriage, from your home, you do not have hope and you have a reason to be afraid. But what we've done is we've pulled up a chair and we've said, enemy, tell me what you think today. And then we ignore God's word and then we wonder why we're so tore up. Too afraid to live, too afraid to die, too afraid to share and distracted by the shiny things that this world has to offer. That was the plan of the enemy against the church of Jesus Christ. COVID wasn't just about a virus. It was about trying to stop, to stifle the gospel message of Jesus Christ being propagated freely in our country like it has for hundreds of years. It was a coordinated attack against truth. It was darkness trying to counter light. It was lies trying to counter truth. Everything that was done was manipulated by the prince of the power of this earth. His name is Satan. Your Bible tells you that Satan has temporary power and control over this earth. We miss that sometimes. We live in the enemy's camp. We live in the enemy's house, but praise God, what lives on the inside of us cannot be overcome and cannot be defeated by the evil that lives outside of our hearts. Doesn't mean that it's gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy, but God said in his word that he would help his children. It's the nature and it's the character of God towards his people to not leave them alone in a desert, to not leave them depressed, to not leave them anxious. Do you realize that God does not speak to his children in the tone of anxiety? Listen, God does not speak to the heart of his son and his daughter in the tone of anxiety. He does not speak to the heart of his son or his daughter in a depressed state. That's not how God works. He's not cruel to his children. If you're under conviction, then you need to get right. But anxiety and depression in the life of a Christian is not the voice. It is not the action of God working against you. It is the action and it is the working and the plan and the battle of the enemy against you as a child of God. Do you believe what I'm saying this morning? 
Are you alive and well at 1137 a.m.? Somebody say amen if you can hear me in this place. The child of God needs to live with the mindset that I am a child of God. If we believe our Bible, then what's available for us is insurmountable. It's not comparable to anything that our human imagination can even muster. The power and the might and the capability of God is greater than anything you could ever put into words. Yet, when we get in a place of difficulty, yet when we get into a place of anxiety, yet when we get into a depressed state where the weight of the world and everyday life overwhelms us and overcomes us, instead of going to him, we go back to the world. And it's a cycle that must be broken because you belong to a team that can't be beat. You belong to a team that cannot lose. In World War II, the Imperial Japanese Army were cruel and evil in the way that they fought war. What they did to our POWs that they captured, it's hard to even put into words some of the things that were done to our GIs. But part of the brilliance in their evil was sometimes you didn't have to shoot a gun or wield a samurai sword but rather on the front lines where the GIs who were the most battle-trained, battle-tested, you could go every 50 feet or so and put a loudspeaker. And those Japanese, before the war, they had many of their female, uh, young female students studying, especially in the United Kingdom, English-speaking countries. Some of them were on the West Coast in San Francisco. They learned how to speak English well. They learned how to pick up on nuances and share emotion in the way they talked and the way they spoke English. And so the Japanese not only would shoot guns and fire rockets and do all the things that normal warfare include, but the Japanese would include in their warfare psychological attacks. And those men that were on the front line, they've watched their friends die and bleed and be wounded and they're running low on ammunition and water and they don't know what tomorrow holds and they're there on the front line and then all of a sudden they hear a song playing back from home. Hey, I know that song. Oh, I love it. Who's playing that? It's the Japanese. It's the enemy. And all across the front line, that song's playing and it's drawing the attention of the GIs. They're standing up in their foxhole. They're getting a little spry. My goodness, listen to the song. I love this song. And then right after the song stops playing, a very soft, very eloquent female voice comes on that loudspeaker in English. And she begins to attack the mind of those GIs. And they had a coordinated attack in how they would attack their mind. The first thing they would go after is their family. The way that they talked, the way they attacked first through that propaganda was their family. They would say things like, uh, I wonder what your family's doing today. I wonder if your wife has another man at the supper table and that your children know someone else as their father. Right out of hell, wickedness. I wonder if your wife will even know who you are when you come back home, if you come back home. They would talk about their children, such emotion drawn out of the mind of these battle-hardened, weary soldiers. Then the second thing they would go after would be their future. Are they even going to live? Are they going to make it out of this battle alive? Or are they going to be gravely wounded, be in a wheelchair the rest of your life? Torture and torment of these people on the battlefield. And if you're not careful, the enemy will come to you and will attack you in your mind in the weakest place of your heart or the most tender and most soft place of your heart. And for most people, it's the people who we love. He'll come after your family and he'll come after your future. He'll attack the things that you have no control over. He'll plant things in your minds. Thoughts will flood your brain. Uh, your son will never serve God. Your son will hate you for taking him to church. Your son will hate you for there being standards and rules in the home. Your daughter will wholeheartedly reject you for the rest of her life if you make her go to youth group. That is a coordinated attack against the church. And it's an attempt to stifle the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It's psychological warfare. Not only would they attack their family, their future, but then they would point to this fact. Is the fight even worth it in the first place? They would go after the validity of the fight. Is it worth you being here? Is it worth you being shot at? Is it worth you suffering away from your family, possibly dying in the next battle? They would go after, is it worth it to even be here? Japanese intelligence would look for those volunteer units where men had re-upped or men had come from Europe to come fight again in Asia. And they would go find those areas where those men were and they would attack them in their minds with that loudspeaker saying, look what you did, you volunteered for this. And you're getting ready to die. Your family will never see you again. It was an evil type of warfare. When you get involved in a New Testament Bible-believing church and your family's faithful and you're faithful and you get plugged in and you serve or you sing in the choir or you teach a class, sometimes the enemy will come and he will attack your mind saying things like, is it even worth it? Does anybody even see you? You've been teaching that class for five years and the pastor's never said thank you. You've been singing in that choir for five years and nobody's ever asked you to sing a special. Is it worth it? You volunteered for this. You could get your feelings hurt if you join. You could get your feelings hurt if you teach. You could get your feelings hurt if you join a Sunday school class. That's the world we live in. But at the end of the day, if you belong to the family of God, you may go through a battle. You may go through a hard day. You may be bruised. You may be bleeding. You may be broken. But honey, in the end, you cannot lose. Not because of you, not because of me, not because of Baptist doctrine or how big my King James Bible is, but because of Jesus and what he said and what he did. Matthew 16, turn there with me. Go down to verse number 13, Matthew 16, 13. If you're there, say amen. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? Verse number 14, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And notice here what Simon Peter said. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter said, I believe who you say you are. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting on. You're the one that John the Baptist was the foreteller and the forerunner for. You're the one that Elijah prophesied would come. You're the one that Jeremiah weeped over that said would one day come. I believe that you are him. Peter confesses that Christ is exactly who he said he was. And then Jesus talks about you. Do you hear what I said? Jesus talks about you. Did you know that you're in Matthew 16? All those people that raised their hand a little while ago, do it again. It's not going to hurt you. Stretch out that rotator cuff. Yeah. Look at all these people that are in the family of God. Did you know that if your hand just went up that you're in Matthew 16? You'll find yourself in Scripture, in the New Testament, out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. You, the church of Jesus Christ, you're found here. It's personal what's found here in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not received it unto thee, revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then here it is. Here's where you and me, this is where we'll find ourselves in Matthew chapter 16. And I say also unto thee, Paul's right there. Keep that verse on the screen. Who is the I? Okay, Pastor Dwight, he said it. Who is the I? 
Jesus. Everybody together? Jesus. I like a responsive crowd. Talk with me. Who is talking? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. Perfect, sinless, holy, righteous Son of God. He cannot tell a lie. If he tells a lie, he's not God. If he tells an untruth, he can't be who he said he was. This is the son of the living God, the Messiah, speaking. And now he's going to talk about you, the church. He said, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I, being Jesus, will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those are the words of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, who we are here today on Sunday morning celebrating his resurrection. And he said that I will build my church. Now, here's the truth. If Jesus is who he says he was, we believe the Bible to be completely inerrant, infallible, holy, and inspired, then that means this. Stay with me now. This will bless you. That means that from the moment that Jesus said that, to today, because Jesus has not returned yet. His second coming is imminent. I'm getting ready to go preach about it all week long. He's coming back again, but he's not come back yet, which means that since that moment, since that day, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and from that church, the gates of hell shall not prevail. That means that since that day, there has been on this earth a real remnant of God, the real church, and guess what? You belong to it, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Praise God for that. And that's what the enemy does not want you to get a hold of. David, he does not want you or your wife or your babies to have any confidence to live in this world. That is his plan. He doesn't want you to go to work and feel confident and have authority based in scripture and God's word. He does not want you to feel peace. He does not want you to feel comfort. But you can because you belong to the team that cannot lose. You're the church. You're the church. And it's the team that cannot lose. Church, what we have to have going forward is not a better program. It's not more money. It's not that we would fill this sanctuary up four times on Sunday morning. What we desperately need is a church that has confidence in who God is, that has confidence that they are who God said they were in Jesus Christ, who have authority, who carry a burden, who pray, and who know that their identity is not in themselves or in this world, but their identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Media team, if you would, put that picture up of Caesarea Philippi. It'll be online for our e-church as well. But I want you to look at this picture. This is the headwaters of the Jordan River. This was taken in March of 2020. This particular picture was taken on March the 6th, 2020. Four days, four days before it all came unraveling. And our group went there where Jesus took his disciples. We were going to teach and preach there. Pastor Ralph led this incredible service up there. Go to the next picture. And what you see there, that big cave, it's not just a cave. And the front face of this rock isn't just a mountain. But what was here for years, decades, hundreds of years under Roman influence and occupation, there was a temple here called the Temple of Pan. The Temple of Pan was constructed and built to a Greek god. And some of the things that happened here in this very spot are so wicked and so terrible and so horrible, you can't say in mixed company or in the presence of children. Horrible, horrible evil was propagated here. This was the essence of everything in this world that's wrong with this world. This represented every satanic action and work on the earth at the time of Jesus Christ. Go to the next picture. Inside there, you'll see 
the remnants where human sacrifice would happen. Those evildoers who worship that God would become crazed with bloodlust. Horrible, horrible evil. And what you read in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 16, it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Then we read in verse number 18 that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Ladies and gentlemen, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took his followers to the most evil, wicked place on earth. And right there where you're looking at that picture where we just stood not two years ago is the very ground where Jesus looked at. Listen, sometimes we get so imaginative, it's hard for us to realize that Jesus Christ himself in physical form with the disciples stood right there where that picture's at. He stood there. There's no doubt. There's no question. If I believe that this Bible is true, then Jesus Christ stood right there. And so have I. That's how real our Jesus is. And in the face of all that wickedness and all that hurt and all that pain and humanity, Jesus takes his disciples there and says, boys, we're going to build a church and that church will never be overcome by evil and right as we got on the airplane to come back to the United States to begin what was 17 weeks of COVID, which turned into almost two years now of a new world. I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter what this past two years has been, no matter how hard your heart has become towards the things of God, no matter how difficult it is for you to get up every day and simply put on clothes and exist and go to work, if that's you and you belong to Jesus, then I want you to remember that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. It may be tough, it may be difficult, it may be the hardest days of your existence, even what's coming, we don't know. But we can trust God and we can trust his word and we can trust that when Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against them, he meant it for us. And you belong to the greatest entity ever created. It was created in the person of Jesus Christ. And today, you're not a loser. Did the back row hear what I said? Today, you're not a loser. Darren Hudgens, are you on the very back row like you normally are? Wave your hand real big at me. Brother Darren, you're not a loser. Who do I got back there? Who's back there on that very back row? Raise your hand. Can I tell you something? If you're in Christ, if you belong to him, you're not a loser. You win this thing. Who I got here in the middle? Jimmy Bowers, my favorite to pick on. Jimmy, you're not a loser, buddy. You belong to Jesus. And in the end, you win the whole thing. Harold, Joyce, Mr. and Mrs. Rochester, all those times singing on the road, all those lonely terrible nights of the bus breaking down three and four o'clock in the morning when the enemy came and said is it even worth it is it even worth going and singing anymore playing anymore going to those churches when he came by and he tried to tell you it wasn't worth it I'm going to tell you something you're a winner you're a winner everything you've done for Jesus Christ matters he remembers every song you ever sung. He remembers every time you shared the gospel message of Jesus Christ to a group of people and it'll be heaven before you see the fruits of that labor. But thank you for being faithful, staying in the fight. You're winners and I'm glad I'm on your team. You see the enemy, Satan, old Slewfoot, he'll try to tell you that you are worthless. He'll try to tell you that nobody sees you. 
He'll try to tell you that nobody cares about you. He'll try to tell you that what you are doesn't really matter. That if you were to never show up at your church again, nobody would miss you and nobody would care. Can I tell you something? That's yet again another lie. You're not a loser. You're a winner. Because of what Jesus said. Not because of me, not because of you but because of him. And if we're going to live and thrive and survive and be the church that God wants us to be, we're going to have to have some confidence to live in this sin-sick world. We're going to have to have some authority. And the way you get authority is by hiding God's word deep in your heart. Read his love letter to you and memorize it, embrace it, believe it. Get the authority of God's word on your lips and claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Then you need your identity. You've got to have your identity. You see, every team member that'll be in that Super Bowl this afternoon, they're going to have a jersey on that's going to say their team name, their city, and their number. And what you need today is not individual identity. You see, because Winston Parish, my identity, boy, apart from Christ, it's pitiful. It's pitiful. It's broken. I have nothing to offer in myself. If I'm going to put on my jersey and it's going to say Team Winston, we're going to lose every single solitary time. But because I belong to the family, I have access to the home team locker room and I've got a personalized jersey that says Son of God. And see, my identity today is not Winston Parish. It's a child of the Most High God. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm safely secure in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you ever lose sight of that child of God, you will lose your confidence. You will lose authority. And you'll lose sight of who you really are. And that's exactly what we need today. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. There's a verse, 1 John chapter 4. It says this, Ye are of God, little children. You see, it's not really up to me to understand everything. It's not up to me to understand everything that's happening even in our world. But I can come to him as a little child. Say, Daddy, Father, Abba, I need you today. I need my confidence. I need the authority of God's word to be recalled in my heart and in my mind. And it says this, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he, being Jesus, that is in you than he that is in the world. Not only are you a winner, but you're stronger, you're faster, and you're better looking than the devil will ever be. We win this thing. And one day, David, every single solitary time that Satan came by to tempt you, to harm a hair on your head, what's left of your hair on your head, every time he spoke a lie to you in the midnight hour, every time he tried to make you doubt your salvation and your status as a son of the most high God, he's gonna pay for it. Dad, every time you were on the mission field and you beat the same rock and you kept going over and over and over and over and over and nobody got saved, nobody got saved and it was tough and it was hard and it was raining and it was difficult and money was tight. All those times that the devil came and he uh, told you things that were not true. Every time he attacked our little family there on the mission field, every single solitary time, he's going to pay for it. Every single time he's harmed the child of God, he's going to pay for it. And then he'll be sent to eternity of judgment and damnation. And I get to go to heaven where forever I win, I win, I win, I win, I win because of Jesus. Stand all over the building. The imitation is so simple. Even a child can listen and respond to the imitation today. Has this past week, let's not even talk about the last two years, but has this past week been difficult? 
Have you had a battle, a burden, something that you're fighting? Maybe your flesh has reared its ugly head in a way that it hasn't in years this past week. Is there anybody here, every head bowed, every eye closed, but is there anybody here that's man enough or woman enough to say, Pastor, it's been a tough amount of time, whether it's two weeks, two years, two days, and I'm discouraged. If I had to be honest, I am discouraged. Would you be man enough or woman enough to raise your hand? Hands all over the building. Well, the Lord knows what he needs. He knows what he needs from you. And here's what you need from him. You need to ask him simply to be your Ozair, to be your helper. He'll come to you. You see, God loves his children. He hears their prayers. And in his will, his perfect will, he will respond to your need. If you raised your hand, here's what I would like to do. Every hand that was raised, everybody that that raised their hand, look at me, make eye contact with me. Every hand that was raised, would you come pray with me? I wanna pray over you. Would you just come pray? Step out in faith. I want you to come pray. Every discouraged heart, we're not gonna embarrass you, we're not gonna come to you, but I wanna pray for you. We're gonna get some authority back in our lives. We're gonna tell the Lord how much we love him, that we're thankful for him, and that we need his help. And then we're gonna tell the devil and the enemy, we're gonna speak truth into your difficulty and claim some authority and some power back in our lives according to God's word. Deacons, here's what we need. All my deacons, men full of faith, men full of the Holy Ghost, let's surround these people who said they're discouraged. If you're online and you're watching, we wanna have a special prayer with you here in just a moment. We're gonna say live right here in the sanctuary. We're gonna pray with you. But all my deacons, I need you to come pray with these discouraged people. Where are my RMCA people? Wave at me real big. RMCA folks, all my RMCA people, I want you to come down here. Miss Susie, especially, I want you head of school. Where are all my Christian educators? Raise your hand. If you're in Christian education anywhere, come right here. All my Christian educators, Christian educators, SROs. Miss Susie, I want you to bring your team right here. There's two prayers we're gonna pray. The first we're gonna pray is over these people who are discouraged, who need some help. If you know somebody over here, you come, you encourage them, love on them, hug their neck. But this group right here, y'all can stay standing right here in the altar area. Christian education has never, ever been as difficult as it is right now. And the work that's happening on this campus, at this school, is God's work. It's important work. These others that are here that represent other schools, this SRO, Chris, it's been difficult for educators. With RMCA here today, we're gonna pray for them. We're gonna pray for that school. We're gonna pray for their children. Listen, there'll be things that these teachers, these educators can do that you'll never be able to do at home. God's put them in these children's lives to do things that only they can do because God set that up. And we need to pray for them. We need to ask God to keep them and to encourage them. And we're gonna pray for them. If you're here today and you're not in the family of God, you're lost and undone, this is your day. Do not leave this sanctuary the same way you came in. We're gonna pray. Ask God to touch all of these. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come back into your presence. And Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here. God, every heart that's in the building, every soul that's watching online. God, you know every person right where they are. You know every problem, you know every issue, you know every pain, you know every worry. God, you know us individually and you promised in your word that you would come to us and be our help, that you would come right to the place of difficulty, of discouragement, of depression and anxiety. And Father, that you would help us. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the most capable, mighty name of Jesus for every person that's here that says they're discouraged. God, I pray that you would lift them up God, I pray that they would see Jesus again for who he is. God, that their eyes would be fixed upon the cross and the hope of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that they will cast themselves at the mercy of God. And Lord, that today you will strengthen them and encourage them and do only what you can do. God, I can't fix them. 
I can't go to these problems. I can't go to these issues. I can't throw enough money at it. There's nothing I can do in my power. But God, you're able. And we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to intervene for our brothers and our sisters who are discouraged. Lord, don't allow the enemy to have one more marriage out of our church. Lord, don't allow the enemy to have one more child out of our church, one more teenager out of our church. God, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our people. Lord, protect us. Lord, provide for us and encourage our hearts. Give us the victory over temptation. Give us the victory over sin. Give us the victory in the name of Jesus over discouragement and depression and anxiety and break the chains of generational curse and God do something with this church. It belongs to you. Encourage the saints. God, I pray for these precious people from Reynolds Mountain Christian Academy. God, I thank you for them. Oh, Lord. Lord, I thank you for them. God, I pray today that they would be encouraged and they would feel the love and the appreciation of this local body of Christ. God, I pray for their husbands, their wives. God, anyone that's in their home, their children. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Lord, I pray for all the teachers at Reynolds Mountain. God, I pray that you would bless them, encourage them. God, give them what they need as they educate our children and point them to the truth that Jesus loves them. God, I pray that you would meet every need that they have financially. God, keep the doors of that school open and robust. God, I pray for the right people to be in leadership. Cultivate the ones that are up and coming. Use them for the glory of God. Bless the board of directors. Thank you for the burden of Miss Hepler. Thank you for Pastor Jim Dykes and his vision. Lord, I pray that you would bless them abundantly. God, thank you for that other church, Brookstone Church. God, that partners with them so much. All the other local faith-based partners. God, bless them for blessing Reynolds Mountain Christian Academy. God, we're in this together. This is a war. This is a fight for the souls of men. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would bring unity to Buncombe County, unity to Asheville, unity to Madison County and Henderson County. And Father, that the church of Jesus Christ, of whom hell shall not prevail, would be unified in these last days to see souls saved, to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bless that school. Bless this church bless our time together we thank you for your grace we thank you for your mercy it's in Jesus mighty name we all said together amen